Welcome to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. Resilience. It's a quality that is hard to define, yet it says a lot about who we are and what we are capable of achieving. Take Rob Jones, for instance. Rob was a United States Marine serving in Afghanistan in 2010. While clearing an area of improvised explosive devices, he stepped on a mine and lost both his legs. For most of us, life would grind to a halt, literally and we would spend the remainder of it picking up the pieces and learning to live with and accept our disability. But for Rob, he didn't let his injuries define him. In fact, they made him stronger. He would go on to recover and eventually become a medal-winning para-Olympic rower. He would ride over 8,200 kilometres across America in 181 days. And perhaps most amazingly, he would run 31 marathons in 31 days in 31 different cities across the United States, Canada, and the UK, on prosthetic legs of course. Rob Jones can teach us a lot about resilience, but what is it exactly? Heading to my trusty Collins English Dictionary, there's two definitions, one for the physical sciences and one for people, but I think they both apply equally well. From the physics of an object, something resilient is strong and not easily damaged. And when referring to a person, resilience is defined as being able to recover quickly and easily from shock illness or hardship. It's recovering strength, spirits, good humour. Other words cited include buoyant and irrepressible. That's a good one. I like that word, irrepressible. But this academic definition is perhaps the most useful. It says, resilience is the capacity and dynamic process of adaptively overcoming stress and adversity while maintaining normal psychological and physical functioning. These definitions and synonyms conjure powerful images, images of a hardened individual able to endure through adversity, or of a happy-go-lucky person who can brush off setbacks with a quip and move forward, head held high, ready to embrace the next challenge. But how much of resilience is inherent, natural, something that we are born with, and can it be learned or enhanced? In this episode, we'll explore resilience and attempt to answer these questions and understand how it can benefit us in our daily lives. It's hard to talk about resilience without talking about the Special Forces soldier, so that's a good place to start. The process of finding resilient individuals begins early in the selection process, where candidates, already with a high level of fitness and often years of military experience, are put through rigorous physical challenges designed to test the medal. Virtually all Special Forces selection programs, from the US Navy SEALs BUD cycle to the infamous first phase of SAS selection in the Welsh Brecon Beacons, have little to do with special operations warfare and everything to do with mental resilience. What these selection courses aim to identify is those individuals who can push through when their bodies are crying out for relief. No matter how cold and wet they are, no matter how many evolutions are to come, when there is no known end in sight, when feet are blistered and aching, when sores cut deep into shoulders and backs, when others withdraw and it could all be over in an instant if one would only quit, somehow a few, perhaps less than 10%, stick with it. The following is a story told time and again in the memoirs of Special Forces soldiers, and this version comes from the book Eye of the Storm by Peter Ratcliffe, a veteran of 25 years with the British Special Air Service Regiment. It reads, Sometimes we'd finish a march and find the trucks waiting for us, 
They looked incredibly inviting, with their big canvas canopies to keep out the wind and the almost constantly pouring rain. We would be told to get in, and everybody would breathe a secret sigh of relief. The torture was over. We were getting a ride, back to camp with luck, to warmth, and light, and hot food, and best of all, sleep. But sometimes, too, an instructor would blow away our hopes. Once, just after we'd settled gratefully in the truck, one of the directing staff bellowed, Right, everybody, get back off the trucks. We're going to march across the mountain for another 20 clicks. Without a murmur, because you dared not let them see that they were getting to you, we shouldered our bergens. Then grabbing our weapons, we climbed off the tailgate and back out into the pouring rain. We'd only marched about 200 yards when one of the guys said, Shit to this, I've had enough. There and then he packed it in. Leaving him behind, we marched another couple of hundred yards. Then the instructor shouted, Okay lads, stop, you're finished. You can get back onto the trucks. We had been conned. The guy who had quit had only needed to walk for another 200 yards and it had been okay. He didn't know that, however, and had paid the price. As for the rest of us, we had shown that we'd been willing to go on. Even though we were utterly exhausted or just thoroughly fed up, we could still handle it mentally as well as physically. The SAS was not looking for supermen, just people whose minds could triumph over their flagging bodies, however tough the conditions. Resilience of this type can be understood as the inner desire to reach the coveted goal of passing selection. Those individuals have a why. Philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote, Those who have a why can endure almost any how. This quote captures the strength of will found in those striving to reach a goal. Those that succeed at special forces selection have within themselves a never-quit mentality. We may consider that level of resilience to be pure, rare, and indeed special. When combined with the physical challenges and extreme stress those soldiers may eventually face on the battlefield, it is imperative that only those who offer the greatest chance of success are selected for further training and specialist combat skills. But the reality for the rest of us is that life is one long challenge interspersed with many tests of our mettle. The realm of the Special Forces soldier may seem remote to the civilian, but resilience is something we all have in common. It is a human quality after all. We don't need to be at the end of a 50km march to be tested to our limits. Life itself is the greatest leveller of all. Resilience is a powerful quality as it can change the impact of an event entirely. Think again of those definitions I mentioned earlier, the ability to adapt and overcome stress and to recover quickly. Imagine a scenario. You're driving home from work one evening. You're daydreaming about what you'll have for dinner. And you don't notice that the car ahead of you, which is indicating to turn left, has suddenly pulled back into your lane. You hit the brakes, but it is too late and you skid into the back of that car ahead with a jolt. You both pull over to inspect the damage. It isn't too bad, but you know you'll need a new bumper and lights and the other car will be in the panel beater for a few days. All in all, it's not a big deal. But then you remember that you have to pay the $700 insurance excess and your registration was due last week. And that subscription to your sports club is due and you have a tooth that's been nagging for a while that you really need to get looked at. The small accident has come at a bad time and you feel the tide of stress rising up the back of your neck and it begins to overwhelm you. This is not a far-fetched or unique story. It's life. Things like this happen all the time. So how do you respond? Resilience in this situation is being pragmatic stepping back and prioritising what needs to be done and making a plan to work through those steps. It's being thankful that it wasn't worse, knowing that everyone is okay and that is the main thing. It's acknowledging that you messed up and you need to focus more when driving. 
Next time it could be a child that runs out into the street chasing a ball. Someone with high resilience takes these setbacks in stride and adapts. For someone with low resilience, this event could be just the thing that pushes them over the edge. They could become violent and blame the other driver. They could ignore the compounding issues and end up being pulled over by the police and fined for an expired registration and driving an unsafe vehicle. They could take their anger and frustration out on their family or drink themselves into oblivion and cause even more trouble for themselves and others. They could close their garage door, start their car and forget about all of their problems forever. Stephen Southwick, a professor of psychiatry at the Yale Medical School, and his colleague Dennis Charney, who is one of the world's leading experts on the treatment of mood and anxiety disorders, looked at resilience in detail. They interviewed a variety of people who had experienced stressful and traumatic situations, former prisoners of war, special forces veterans, survivors of 9-11, and many others. And they put an interesting book together. It's titled Resilience, the Science of Mastering Life's Greatest Challenges. They open it by saying, that they expected to find that resilient people were rare and probably genetically gifted in some way. In fact, what they found was the opposite. Resilience is common, and it can be enhanced, and we all use it every day as we cope with the stresses of life. What Southwick and Chardy realised after interviewing that large group of people, all with vastly different experiences, is that they actually had a lot in common. And from this, they could extract 10 coping mechanisms that were found to be consistently effective at managing stress and enhancing resilience in challenging situations. The book goes through all of these in detail. It's really worth a read, and you can find a link to it in the show notes. But here they are in bullet point form. First is fostering optimism. The next, facing fear. Solidifying a moral compass. Practicing religion and spirituality. Attracting and giving social support. Imitating resilient role models. Physical training, mental and emotional training, enhancing cognitive and emotional flexibility, and finally, finding meaning, purpose, and growth. Resilience is not the only quality that helps us through hard times, but it is an important one. Just as it can drive an elite soldier through the most challenging military training, it can help you to deal with the daily trials that crop up in your life. So important is resilience for managing mental and physical health that the armed forces of many nations study it in order to understand how it can be enhanced, not only because they want to build tougher soldiers, but because they want to protect the ones they have, both while they're serving on active duty and after they return and eventually retire. For 20 years, armed forces have been involved in combat in Afghanistan, Iraq and many other troubled countries as part of the war on terror. And today, the effects of multiple deployments and exposure to traumatic experiences is taking its toll on thousands of veterans. The rate of suicides among veterans has reached unprecedented levels, and it impacts not only regular soldiers, but also the elite special forces soldiers who already had resilience in spades. This tells us that the stresses of combat must transcend an individual's natural level of resilience, even when it is high, as repeated exposure to stressful and traumatic situations compounds, leading to post-traumatic stress and all of its attendant challenges and difficulties. This environment is therefore a pressure cooker, a catalyst that demonstrates the limits of resilience and proves that no one is invincible or immune to stress. There are no superhuman people. Mental toughness has its limits. Returning to our far more mundane, everyday lives, understanding our own level of resilience to life's challenges and its limits is a useful self-reflection task that we can use to understand when we are reaching our limits. Every setback in life leaves a layer of scar tissue, a certain hardening of the spirit, the building of another layer of resilience. 
We cannot control what happens next in life, but we can control how we respond. There are two reactions. One that is naturalistic, that is our instinctual reaction, the knee-jerk. We may swear or curse our bad luck, get mad, blame someone or something, but we must resist that instinct. The second is the rational response, where we think objectively, that is, our resilience. We don't put all of our emotional eggs in one basket and then throw it against the wall in frustration. We measure our response knowing that our emotions are not helpful, they won't change anything. We must remain stoic when the going gets tough. This may sound overly simplistic, and I get that. Real life is more than just words or talk about how we should behave. But the thing about resilience, which may not be evident, particularly when talking about the Special Forces soldier, is that it is not a thing we either have or don't have. It is really just a word we use to describe a combination of thoughts, behaviours and actions. It can be learned and developed in anyone, and it is not something that exists in and because of you alone. In fact, many studies have shown that one of the biggest predictors of resilience is having caring and supportive relationships both within and outside of the family. The American Psychological Association, who literally writes the book on psychology, lists several factors that contribute to resilience. These are the capacity to make realistic plans and take steps to carry them out, a positive view of yourself and confidence in your strengths and abilities, skills in communication and problem solving, and the capacity to manage strong feelings and impulses. As you can see, these are all soft skills. There is no mention of toughness or being able to withstand great amounts of stress or hardship. Resilience for you and me is not about how much we can take. It's about how well we cope with what we face, learning what our limits are, and making sure that we never reach them. The APA offers a range of tips for building resilience, and we'll go through some of these, but keep in mind, there is no universal here. What works for you may not work for someone else, and we can't all be expected to repair ourselves from the inside out. Sometimes we need help, and it is important to recognise that, either in yourself or in those you care about. A professional therapist, psychologist or life coach can help you to unpack your own resilience and determine which techniques resonate most with you and which may help you to build it. Building resilience begins with building relationships. Life never seems as hard when you're not suffering through it alone. Talking things through with others helps to maintain perspective and see that things are not as bad as they might have seemed. Relationships also help to remind us that life's challenges aren't happening to us because we deserve them or are somehow unworthy or have no value. Our supporters know us. They know us for all of our good and not-so-good qualities, and they see what we don't. They see that life is happening, but they don't take it personally for us, and they remind us not to take it personally ourselves. And it's just life, and they will help us get through it. Resilience takes a lot of conscious thought. And one of those is to recognise that life is not an emergency. We've spoken about this before. Very little is ever life or death. There is very little that will happen today, as bad as it may seem, that you'll be thinking about in a few weeks, months, or even years' time. A lot of stress comes from uncertainty, but we don't have to know the outcome. We can simply trust that things will be okay. We'll work through the steps one at a time, and regardless, life will go on. As long as we are here, it will continue. We don't need all of the answers right now. They will reveal themselves in time, and as we are ready to listen. And maybe there is no answer. That's fine too. As hard as it is to hold on to a moment, it is also one of the greatest gifts of life, that nothing stays the same. What a relief. But it's hard to let go. Change comes thick and fast. Life is a fast-moving torrent where we can sometimes feel like we are trying to grab an overhanging branch to stop from being washed away. 
Resilience is going with the flow, knowing that that torrent is taking us downstream where smoother waters lie. In three and a half years, my family and I moved five times, including two international moves. It was hell every time. There was a million things to do. There was upheaval, expected and unexpected costs, a pile of paperwork, visas, bank accounts, utilities, buying and selling cars, packing and unpacking, and packing again, decluttering, losing things, finding them again, dealing with many things that didn't go to plan. And as stressful as that got, I reminded myself throughout each move that in a few months' time, things will settle down and life will be more or less back to normal. All of the things that are stressing me out today won't exist in a few weeks. I just have to work through them one by one and know that it will all work out. I'm pleased to say I was 100% correct. And as much as that was true for me and my family, it will be true for you and yours. Act. Decide. Execute. In my line of work, I'm paid to make decisions. I may not make the correct decision first time around, but I evaluate the situation, seek input from those around me, and make a decision based on the information I have. I can then change my decision if new information comes to hand. But the worst thing I can do is nothing. I'm not saying to act impulsively. I'm saying make a decision to move forward. We can become overwhelmed in stressful situations and just shut down. Or we can overanalyze and not know which decision to make. The situation often referred to as analysis paralysis. Many years ago, when I was training for my first job flying jets, I was paired with another guy. He was quite experienced, but had also never flown a jet. We were carrying out an exercise in the flight simulator, and it was pretty straightforward. We would accelerate down the runway for takeoff. Then, at the most critical time, an engine would fail, and we were to immediately abort the takeoff by closing the throttles and applying the brakes to bring the aircraft to a stop on the runway. My colleague was in control, and I was supporting him as the so-called pilot monitoring. We were briefed by the instructor on what to expect and what actions to take. There certainly would be no surprises. So suitably prepared, my colleague moved the throttles forward and we began to accelerate down the simulated runway. I called out the pertinent information about airspeed and engine settings as per our usual procedures, and then, at the critical moment, the engine failed, just as expected. And he froze. He just sat there, staring straight ahead, and the aeroplane careened off the end of the runway. The instructor stopped the simulation, and he checked that my colleague was okay. Then he reset the scenario. He just needed a second to collect his thoughts, he said, but he would be good next time. So again, we rebriefed, everyone was on the same page. He throttled up and we began to accelerate down the runway. We hit that critical point and the engine failed and I waited again for him to close the throttles and begin braking. But again, he did absolutely nothing. He was totally frozen and the situation repeated itself. We tried the same scenario over and over, but he just could not get the hang of it. It was all happening too fast or there was just too much information. He was in mental overload and his decision was to do nothing. And it taught me a valuable lesson. That doing nothing, while sometimes a solution, is generally not a good one and especially not when flying a plane. So act and make a decision, but let yourself off the hook. That first decision doesn't have to be perfect and it almost certainly won't be. But once we make that decision and move forward, we can adapt, regain our momentum and adjust our plans as we gain more information. Time is not often critical in everyday life decisions, so don't just panic and react. Consider and decide. Resilience comes from the confidence in knowing that whatever life throws at you, you will work through it. You'll make a decision and move forward. As long as you're on this side of the ground, you can always, always move forward.
Prepare. Prepare yourself physically and mentally for the challenges of life by challenging yourself regularly and allowing time to relax and recoup as you prepare for the next challenge. There's a dichotomy here between pushing yourself and recharging. Only when a balance between the two is struck will you optimise motivation and potential and be ready for the challenges that lie in wait. Physical challenges can take many forms. We're not all cut out to tackle the physical challenges of a Special Forces soldier, or any soldier for that matter. But the benefits of exercise begin as soon as you raise your heart rate and break out in a sweat. This process of putting your heart, lungs and muscles under stress conditions you. It lightens your mental load and releases endorphins which make you feel good. Working out, whether chopping firewood, running, playing tennis or swimming a few laps in the local pool, takes effort, and repetitive effort breeds discipline. Think of getting exercises more than just aiding physical health. Think of it as preparing yourself for life. Everything is a little easier when you're fit and healthy, and it's also great to be able to escape life's challenges and get some exercise, to clear your head and come back refreshed and recharged. But as I mentioned, it must be balanced with the space to be calm. You might find that space in a book, in the garden, meditating, drawing, writing, playing the guitar, building a bloody bird bath. Honestly, you can find it in many places. Take the time to be kind to yourself and do things you enjoy without distractions. Times when you have no pressure, when you're not in a mental struggle. Times to reset. It's hard to find time for yourself in a busy life, but it is as important as physical work. We need to counter stress with relaxation in order to be best prepared to meet the next challenge that life is preparing for us. Aim high. Earlier, I talked about how Special Forces soldiers realise resilience through their drive to achieve their goal of making it into an elite military unit. Having a why can be hugely motivating and help you to persevere when the going gets tough. When you believe in what you are doing and can see where you are headed, you will put up with a lot. Hardship and adversity may even drive you to push harder. How many times have you heard a successful person say that it was negative comments from others trying to hold them back or make them doubt their own ability that drove them to succeed? If you don't believe in what you're doing, it's very easy to quit. For many who fail to make the grade in Special Forces selection and they lose heart and realise they won't make it, they begin searching for a reason to quit that won't reflect poorly on themselves. A medical issue, for instance. Medical personnel who work in these situations are attuned to this excuse-seeking behaviour, and if they can't find a medical reason to disqualify a candidate, they send them back out. A few blisters is not enough. Ultimately, the candidates must dig deep within themselves and ask the question, how badly do I want this? For most, not enough, but for a few, they fortify themselves with resilience and press on. Finding your why, setting goals and working towards them, is a powerful strategy to increase your resilience and help you to surmount life's challenges. Now, it wouldn't be a Here and Now podcast episode if I didn't introduce a bit of science. And while what I've been talking about is more of the therapy, self-reflection type of science, there is in fact a neurobiological aspect to resilience which is worth discussing. Resilience is determined both genetically and environmentally and shapes the way that our brain functions. The way we react to stress is dictated by the release of chemicals in our brain. There are a number of mechanisms, and one of these is the hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis, or HPA axis. This is responsible for regulating many of our homeostatic processes, everything from the cardiovascular to the immune system. It responds and regulates stress, mood, emotions, and our energy storage and expenditure, that's metabolism. It's a complex pathway which eventually results in the release of cortisol, 
Cortisol is a stress hormone which acts in many, many ways throughout the body. Much of it is very necessary, and while cortisol is an important hormone, it's generally fair to say that elevated levels of it are harmful over the long term. Unfortunately, environmental stresses we're exposed to in childhood can influence the functioning of the HPA axis, resulting in it becoming overactive as we get older, and therefore less resilient to stress. The good news, though, is that despite our genetics and the environment that shaped us, our brain is plastic. It can be reprogrammed and we can forge new neurobiological pathways through will alone. Here's an excerpt from a paper on resilience and suicide, which describes how learning to be more resilient can improve our lives. Training on enhancing stress protective factors leads to augmented plasticity and regulation of neural circuits that modulate reward and motivation, emotion regulation, fear response, learning and memory, attention, cognitive executive function, cognitive reappraisal, and adaptive social behavior. This results in improved adaptation to stress and trauma, increased speed of recovery from adversities, and decreased susceptibility to stress-related psychopathology. So that is great news. Resilience can be enhanced through training and education. Things like the points I raised earlier, as outlined by the APA, and it can alter much of the functional processes in our brains that govern how we exist in the world. Notice though, none of this talks about how we actually reduce the stresses in our lives. It has nothing to do with trying to change the world. It is about changing yourself. I talked about ego recently, and how in the absence of a magic pill, if I want to change my behaviour, I just have to change my behaviour. It's my problem, and I have to do something about it. Building resilience is not an overnight affair. Just like improving yourself physically, improving yourself mentally takes persistence and hard work. And being resilient won't make you immune to the challenges of life, but it has the potential to change your perspective. Things that seem like insurmountable challenges to someone with low resilience may barely even register on the challenge scale for someone with high resilience. Just being alive makes us more resilient. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, after all. There is some truth to that. For every hurdle we jump, every bump in the road, we learn a bit more about ourselves, and we see that we made it through. Sure, things got pretty dark for a while there, but we live to tell the tale. Find resilience in the knowledge that you are far more capable than you realise. You have lived through a lot of shit already, and there is more to come. But you are still here, and you'll be ready. But you don't have to learn to be more resilient only through the hard knocks of life. You can do it by thinking about it, making choices about how you react to life, and building resilience into your identity. Don't accept that you are who you are. You are who you want to be. But you have to say it, believe it, and live it. Resilience is an amazing quality as it allows us to endure tremendous hardship, pressure, and stress at one extreme, and at the other, to steal our resolve so that those things don't seem as hard in the first place. When we find that balance between enough stress to motivate us to reach our optimum, but not so much that we can't cope, we minimise the need for resilience, but it should always be there, ready to step in to remind us that we are far more capable than we realise, and that life is not a big deal. So, unlock your inner special forces soldier, grit your teeth, and look life in the eye. You've got this. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes and be sure to give us a rating at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or at the email, email theherenow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.